Hello, hello. Welcome to Coaches on a Mission. I'm your host, Dallas Travers, and today we're going to simplify the course creation process. My guest is Julie Arts, who finds herself in a bit of a funky place in her business. Julie is a book coach who brings this perfect combination of craft knowledge, industry smarts, strategic planning, and tough love to help social and environmental justice-minded story geeks really bring their books to life. Julie is extremely busy with a wait list for private clients, yet she is very committed to creating price accessibility for those folks who may not have the ability to pay her private client rates so that they can still get their books written and out into the world. Now, at the same time, Julie really doesn't have a bunch of extra time to build out a full-blown course. So what's a book coach to do? Well, the two of us put our heads together to design what I'm going to call a B-minus version of a course, one that delivers a lot of value without requiring a ton of setup. Julie and I looked at the specific things that make Julie's private coaching work really well and then simply asked ourselves, how can we recreate the best possible version of this inside of a group container? And guess what? In less than 45 minutes, Julie and I, we actually did it. We designed a pretty rock-solid group program that she's going to be able to get off the ground in a matter of weeks. So if you are somewhere in that in-between, not quite ready to build out a full course, but unable to bring on any more private clients because you just don't have the bandwidth, you're really going to get so much from this episode. Let's get into it. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the show. So happy to be here, Dallas. Me too. I know we're going to talk about price accessibility, and I think it's such an important conversation because in this online coaching space, everybody's talking about charging your worth, right, and commanding high rates and high ticket, all that stuff. And I don't know that there's enough conversations about price accessibility and really aligning your offers with your values. So thank you for bringing this forward. I'm excited to dive in. Before we do, can you tell everybody listening who you help and how? Yeah, sure. I help authors who dream of a life spent writing stories that matter, slay their doubt demons so they can send their work into the world with confidence. Awesome. How does that feel saying it? I love it so much. Yeah, I love it too. Thank you for your help getting it just right. It was a group effort for sure, it right? Was. <laughs> so... Let's see, we're recording this in mid-October, and how long have you been in the Hive now? Like six-ish weeks? Does that feel about right? Yeah, maybe a little longer. I think I joined at the end of August. Yeah. Okay, great. How's it going so far? I love it so much. It's just expanded my mind so much in terms of what the possibilities are for my business. I've been in business for six or seven years now, Mm -hmm. and so I thought, oh, I've got a mature business. What do Mm -hmm. I need to learn? And all the things is the answer. All the things I needed to learn (laughs) and I'm learning them. It's great. That's awesome. We love having you. We love having you. Okay. So why don't you share your intention for today? What do you want to get out of our conversation? Well, one of my core values is really around representation in books. Mm -hmm. The publishing industry historically has really centered the sort of white cishet male voice. 
And there are a lot of efforts right now to make that so that more marginalized voices are being heard in publishing. And part of that is really understanding where there are equity issues and access issues to the Mm -hmm. kind of knowledge, the networking opportunities and everything that have been kept for this small group of people. And I think that that's the same in book coaching. It's a very, working one-on-one with me is a very high-priced endeavor because it takes a lot of my time and my energy. And I want to be able to have that value and that transformation available to people who can't afford the one-on-one price point. And that won't just be Obviously, people from traditionally marginalized backgrounds, there's all kinds of reasons that you might not be able to afford that one-on-one coaching. But I want to be able to still create the magic that I create one-on-one with people as I expand my offerings. And I'm not sure how to do that. Okay, great. So looking at your values, it makes perfect sense that you would want to expand your offers so that the work is more accessible to the people who want it, but don't have access, right? It's a little bit redundant, but we'll go with it, which means shifting the shape of your offers, expanding beyond one-on-one coaching. And what I'm hearing you say is, yes, you're clear you want to do it. And how do you do it while still maintaining the quality of service you've grown accustomed to? And (laughs) I think also we talked a little bit before we started recording, as coaches, it's so fun and cuddly, <laughs> right? To be to work intimately with a client and really be in that journey with them, which becomes it just takes a different shape when we begin to scale. So you're the big question here is how do I expand my offerings to be more accessible without compromising the quality of the experience for me and for my clients? Absolutely. Okay, great. Julie, what if any ideas are rolling around in that head of yours as you think about solving this problem? Well, one thing that I've already done mm-hmm. is I did launch my first two power groups. And yeah. I'm really, really excited about it because I already saw a real opportunity to work in the power group setting for people while they're actually, they've already gone through the process of planning, either in planning a novel or planning a revision with me in one-on-one coaching. And then they want just that opportunity to occasionally check in to make sure they're on track, but they don't need to be submitting pages to me every week or every other week, and they don't need to necessarily have one-on-one calls. So I've got one drafting accountability power group and one revision accountability power group that I've launched. And I already feel really excited about that because, again, that's a lower price point, but it's also made up of people who already did one-on-one coaching with me. So, and I don't know, one of the things that I love about what I've done with the power groups is Mm -hmm. because it's people that I know, I've been able to really match people together and create cohorts that I think are going to be a really good personality fit. So if I were going to expand that and do more power groups with people who haven't done one-on-one coaching with me, I'm not totally clear on how to create that tight-knit, cohort. Yeah. Yep. So it sounds like, is this true that you feel like the next step is power groups? And now the question is, how do we, how do we do it? Or are you, or are you open to other possibilities? I'm I'm open to other possibilities because the other thing I figured out 
when I sat down to do my 2023 planning yeah. is there's really still a limit to how many people I can't just add 10 power groups. I don't have time <laughs> in my schedule. So even if I cut back on my one-on-one coaching and replaced it with power groups, I still would have a very limited number of people I could work with in total. So I think I need something that is working with more people than a power group. And I'm not quite ready to launch, say, a membership or a course yet. I don't have the mailing list to launch a course. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, right now, I don't have the time and focus Yes, to do that content creation. I'm sort of slowly chipping away at it as I go, but I think I'm a year out. A year, yeah. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is if we look bigger picture, there is a world where you might have a bunch of mini courses or a membership that is really scalable. The experience is different from one-on-one coaching for reasons that make it better and for reasons that maybe make it worse. But there is a world where that is in your future. There's time involved in building that out. So an interim solution is power groups? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have this other idea. I agree. So yes. (laughs) And as I was listening to you, I thought, I wonder if there's room here for you to get creative. And I'm so curious what you're going to say to this idea, but let's just say you increase your current, your prices for one-on-one clients. I'm going to make math easy for myself by 10%. And that additional 10% goes directly into a scholarship fund that can then be contributed to pay for someone's power groups or to pay for, maybe you always have one private client who's on financial aid. But there's another there's another angle in here. Yes, we need to talk about how do we restructure your offers, but also is there room for you to formalize a financial aid program? Yeah, I really love that idea. And one thing that I forgot to mention is I actually do have a client, one of my favorite, beloved clients. Hi, Maxie, who is actually going to help me fund a scholarship. So that's already in the works for 2023. For the last several, several years, I've been doing a pro bono mentorship of one client every year through a program called Pitch Wars. And it's Mm -hmm. just come to an end. So I'm feeling that vacuum. Like I really, I miss Pitch Wars and I really want to continue working with at least one pro bono client every year. Yeah. Yeah. You could even head up a big initiative here because I know you're in a community of other book coaches, right? Where you all commit and it can be like whatever works for everybody, but you all commit and it could be either like a financial aid initiative. It could be an equity initiative. It might even be a reparations initiative where you're all committing to contributing in in like a shared cause in order to have a deeper impact. So like we can put a pin in that, but there's that's definitely something to consider. And the important thing for our listeners here, this is not as simple as, great, ta-da, I have a financial aid program. 
And like anyone who wants it, then I can just randomly offer discounts to people who say they can't afford me. We have to bring intentionality. We have to bring criteria. We have to bring success metrics into whatever financial aid programs we decide to roll out. Otherwise, it's not really a financial aid program. It's instead just offering discounts on a whim. So I'm happy mm-hmm. to talk more, Julie, when the, you feel like the timing is right. I know today we're talking about your offers, but I, I did want to plant that little seed. Yeah, I love it. Okay. So how can I be most helpful to you today as you begin to consider the timing of a scaled membership or the rollout of power groups? Well, I'm having a lot of resistance uh-huh. around the idea of a membership. Uh And I think it's because I'm afraid I'm going to lose that magic and that transformation that I get with one-on-one coaching. And I don't know how to recreate that on on a larger scale where I have – my power groups are four to five people. And once I scale beyond that, I just see like a lot of darkness. Like I don't have have any sort of clarity. Like what does that look like? How can I – deeply engage with my members in a way that doesn't feel really overwhelming because I'm fully subscribed right now. I, mm-hmm. I'm a little too busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I a totally. lot too busy. I'm a lot too busy. Okay. I hear you. So I hear two things happening. One is this belief based on your experience that private coaching is the best way to serve. You get a lot of joy out of it. So like, how do I add value, understanding that I'm going to have to compromise that private experience. And then there's a legitimate bandwidth conversation here, right? Where there are still only 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to share a little story because I used to share the same belief about privates. So this is back in the day when I worked with actors and I had a six-week program that I taught in person in the room. And the room that I taught it in sat 16 people. So it was a group of 16, not because it was a magic number, but because that's how many chairs I had. And then when my book came out, I kind of, I suddenly experienced a huge demand from the acting community for me to teach workshops in New York. I had actors in Atlanta wanting to work with me and they couldn't. Because the, like I only had 16 chairs and you had to be able to make it to West Los Angeles on, on Mondays, right? So I was forced, truly it felt at the time that I was forced, to figure out how do I bring this workshop online. And I really, I took too long to do it, Julie, because I just thought there's no way that it will be the same as it is in person. There's no way it's not going to be as good. People are so bonded. I had all the thoughts. And here's what I learned. It was completely different. And most of the elements made it better. (laughs) It was kind of a shot to my ego where I was like, wait, I don't have to be in the room with you in order for you to get value. (laughs) What does that mean about me, the coach? But if I really centered the clients, and that's what maybe we can brainstorm here. If I centered the clients, I saw oh, how we could actually build this and still have belonging. The belonging looks a little different, right? People could still make progress. That looks a little different, but we were ticking all the boxes. The biggest lesson around this was what I saw without fail. 
people in the online program, a higher percentage of them accomplished their six-week goal than people who were in person. And I don't mean by a little bit. It's almost like twice as many. And I realized that by meeting with me in person, there was this unspoken, like, okay, well, I came to class, so I've ticked the box. Because we didn't have that kind of immediate intimacy, people had to try harder to get that intimacy. Therefore, they were more invested and more more students were successful. So I just wanted to share that because the truth is it's not going to be the same and it shouldn't. So then how do we design something that accomplishes your goals without it needing to feel the same as privates? Why don't we make a list of the characteristics that make private coaching so yummy? And then we can identify how we could mimic those things in service to you expanding your power group from four to like up to 20 people. How would that be for you? Yeah, that sounds amazing. Okay, great. So what are the circumstances or the characteristics that make private coaching so, so sweet? Well, I think for me, the value that I really believe that I bring is there's tons and tons and tons of free resources out there about craft, how to craft a character, how to research your world building, how to make a plot that works, how Mm -hmm. to choose comp titles so that you know where your book is going to fit on the shelf, all of those things. And people, to to your point about your course experience, people read a craft article and they're like, okay, check, I have done the writing for today. But they don't necessarily know how to take all of those disparate pieces and then put those together when they sit down to write. And that's where I can really help. I can Mm -hmm. keep the big picture story idea that they have the heart of their story in mind as we walk through these different things so that they're not just randomly adding a side character because they think it would be interesting to do that, but to tie Mm -hmm. it into those themes and subplots that they're already trying to explore in the book. And I hold that container for them as they explore all these different things. And At the same time, when they start to have their doubt demons, when they start to go back and listen to the internal editor who's sitting on their shoulder saying, you can't do this. Why Mm -hmm. do you think you can do this? I can remind them, you can do this. I know you can do this. I've seen you do this. And you can keep working forward. Mm -hmm. Great. So two things so far. One of them is as your client explores all of the elements that come with writing a book, you hold the big picture in mind. That is the thing that kind of gives them permission to really explore knowing that they're not going to totally get derailed. The other thing I heard is it's just great to have someone outside of, of yourself to help slay those doubt demons when they come up because they will inevitably step forward. Yeah. And also to just normalize the process. I think that's another thing. A lot of people, because of as much as I love National Novel Writing Month, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks, the idea that you can write a book in 30 days and then be done is actually a really harmful one. 
You can write a book in 30 days, but that's your zero draft. That's you telling yourself the story that you then have to revise many, many, many times before you get it into a form that can go out into the world. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's a lot of unrealistic expectation about Mm -hmm. how long writing a book takes. And I can just be really real about that with Mm -hmm. clients and say, remember, you are writing your zero, what I call a zero draft, that messy exploratory draft that's not for anybody else's eyes. Mm -hmm. And even, even mine, like I don't read the zero draft for my clients. I'll read a first draft once they've actually taken that zero draft and put some structure around it. Yes. Okay. So that's another thing that you do in privates that probably make privates so effective is you review their work. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's play a game here. So far, we've got four components. We'll start with these. Understanding that it's not the same, but we're like aiming for a a B minus in class, Julie, and a B minus program, (laughs) really creating an accessible, powerful experience for people who otherwise would not ever get their book done. That's a really big deal. So we're aiming for a B minus here. This element of you holding the big picture so that they can explore, how could you replicate or create a similar container inside of a group experience? Well, one of the things I've been thinking about as I noodle all of this is that one of the big skills that I want clients to take away from working with me is the ability to self-assess and self-audit. Like yeah. When you're first starting out, I do that for you. But once you have written a book or two, or at least once you've written a book and revised it a couple of times, you start to build those muscles and skills yourself to self-assess. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've wondered is I feel like, and I actually already taught a class on self-assessment this summer at a conference And I'm wondering if that's the way in to teach people to hold that story container for themselves. Yes. Because that's one of the things I love about one-on-one coaching. In my testimonials, it comes through loud and clear that when they're writing their next book after they worked with me, they still hear my voice reminding Mm -hmm. them of what to do. So they, they learn something that is not just helping them make this one book that we worked on together better, but to make subsequent books better as well. Mm-hmm. So if I can be that voice and teach them to self-assess, then they're hearing their own voice yeah. reminding them what to do. And that's really empowering as well, which mm-hmm. is an important part of what I what I do for my clients is help them be empowered. Yep. Great. So one way that this might make its way into a group program, I'm getting nuts and boltsy here would be, sounds like you already have the content for how to self-assess, right? You taught a class on it. So I come in to the group program and one of the promises of this program is that I am going to learn how to self-assess so that I can hold the big picture as I develop my book. And the way you're going to help me do that is maybe there one of the group calls a month focuses on the big picture. You're going to teach an element of self-assessment. You will help one volunteer 
like self-assess something in their own book and then they will move into partners or groups of three to hold space for each other as the other person self-assesses. I really love that because one of my pillars or stances, my catchy catchphrase Mm -hmm. is that writing can be a lonely journey, but you don't have to do it alone. And creating community is a really important part of what I want to offer. It's why I run a critique partner matching service a couple of times a year and why Mm -hmm. I love these power groups and why I'm constantly connecting people. Because if you go off by yourself, it's too easy to just be like, I can't do this. I quit. Completely. Yes. Wouldn't it be great if you could just build your business focusing on your strengths I see too many coaches struggling to fit into a certain mold and they ignore the easy path. So let's put an end to that. What I want you to do is go to dallastravers.com slash quiz. I've put together a 45 second superpower quiz designed to reveal two things. Number one, the very next step in your business, whether that's list building, client attraction, or scaling with a course. And number two, the natural strength you possess to help you accomplish that task. When you get your results, you'll also get a custom built toolkit with actionable items you can put in place right away to finally make this growth path simpler because you're doing what you do best. So the link again is dallastravers.com slash quiz. Go and check it out and then let me know on Instagram how you scored. Let's talk about this next component, which is as a coach, you're able to really help clients move through self-doubt without quitting. I was going to say with grace, and that may not even be the case, but at least they don't (laughs) quit writing their book. (laughs) So what is a way that you could mimic that experience inside of a group program? I almost wonder if I need something like what we have in the hive, the pineapple, Mm -hmm. the SOS, the SOS, like I'm stuck and I don't know how to move forward. Mm-hmm. And a way for them to identify that so that we can lean in and get them back on track. Yeah. Great. Is there room in this group program for people to also slide into whether that's an accountability partnership or a support cohort where they could be in a small group where they're also supporting one another? Cheering one another on. So not coaching one another, but it's really this, like the pineapple cohorts. For our listeners, if you're wondering what the hell Julie and I are talking about. (laughs) Inside the hive, we have a code word and that code word is pineapple. And that's basically, like Julie said, it's an SOS. So boy, I'm totally stuck. I feel myself floating away. I don't even know what help I need. So I'm not going to ask for help. You can email or post in the Facebook group, just like send up your white flag and it's just like a pineapple emoji. And then we as a community know to rally around you. So that's what we're talking about here. Is there a world where like small pineapple cohorts would make sense? I really love that idea because I had wondered whether my critique partner matching service might actually evolve into some mentored critique groups, because Mm -hmm. I think that 
there is a world where there's actual harm that happens in critique groups where people Mm -hmm. give the wrong level of feedback at the wrong time or that people take away the wrong message from the critique that they're offered. Like there, there is a method that I feel very strongly about for giving critique, but also for receiving it. And I think that if I added that as part of what I was teaching Mm -hmm. in this program, then I would feel confident. Again, I already have this content created because I send it out as part of my nurture sequence for the critique partner. Great. Matching that I do. So it would be very easy to say, I'm going to match you in cohorts. Mm -hmm. Here are the do's and don'ts. Yep. Here's how to receive critique. Here's how to give it. And here's how to make sure that what I'm giving is going to be helpful. And here's how to ask for what I need, because I think that's part of it too. When writers don't know what kind of feedback to give, they mark everything. They'll start line editing. They'll start saying, you know, have you thought about this book? Have you thought about that book? Don't do this because it's too much like this story or whatever. And that can be really overwhelming, especially Mm -hmm. for someone who's at that doubt demon phase with their own writing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the first element of this group program is training around self-assessment. The promise here is that you're going to learn how to hold the big picture as you develop your book. There's going to be a monthly call dedicated to self-assessing where you'll teach around it a little bit. You'll move a person, like a volunteer through it, and then they'll partner up for to witness the, uh, their partner self-assess and then they switch. So there's no critiquing. This is all self-assessment. Then we have our pineapple cohorts. You'll find your own name, but I don't want to call it an SOS cohort. But So we've got our pineapple right, no. <laughs> I love this idea of really clear, a clear container for how to, how to ask for the feedback you're looking for, why and how to only give that feedback, how to then give it and how to receive it. I have another suggestion to layer into the cohorts if you're open to it. And that would be, so if you and I are in a cohort and we meet on Mondays, Sunday, I have to message you three accomplishments for the week. Even if the accomplishment is I didn't burn my book down, right? So we really (laughs) normalize the roller coaster here. And then when we meet as a cohort, the first thing we do is I read your list to you but not, oh, great job. You didn't burn your book down. But like, Julie, I understand how challenging this journey is. And I acknowledge you, you didn't burn your book down this week, which is a major win. So then you can like receive this kind of support and then move into the critiques. I think that could be a very powerful experience for your students. Yeah, that sounds really nurturing. And that is the kind of group that I want yeah. every writer to have, because yeah. it's not just feedback on your pages, it's support on the journey. Yeah. I mean, my critique partners aren't just giving me feedback, even though they give me excellent feedback on my own writing. They're also listening when I'm like, why am I doing this when publishing is so hard right now? <laughs> and and yeah. holding that holding that space for me to feel my feelings 
yeah. around living the creative life, which can be really hard and lonely. Yeah. So the thing to just consider around this piece is like, what's the plan? What's the support plan when a cohort goes off the rails? Like, how do you keep cohorts focused? And what is the plan when someone over critiques or someone isn't open? So just like thinking through the customer service component to that. Okay. How are you feeling so far? I'm feeling like this is a real possibility. And I didn't think that there was a way that I was going to be able to do this and feel good about it. I'm feeling the same. And I'm also feels like something I could, yeah, this feels like something I could do next year instead of thinking 20, it has to be 2024. Yeah. I'm making this little list of the content. And so far there's nothing we've come up with that you would actually have to create. And you can just build in teaching time. So instead of, okay, now I got to make all these videos and put them on a course platform, you could just teach it to people on a group call, <laughs> right? Well, right. And then that would, that would be the beginning of, of the content that I want to create for this eventual course anyway. Yep, exactly. Oh, this is exciting. Okay. So the third element that makes private coaching so wonderful is that you are able to normalize the process and help your clients set expectations that can actually be met. So how do we mimic that in a group program? Well, my signature system, which right now does not have a name, but that's a okay. for another podcast episode, <laughs> is all about iteration. It's about setting an intention using those SMART goals that are actually achievable, and then saying like, for this revision, this is what I'm going to work on. And getting it done, planning it, learning what I, what I need to learn to actually be able to successfully execute it, and then going back again and self-assessing, okay, this is the next step that needs to happen. So that yeah. it's not that overwhelming sense of, well, there's 83 things broken in my book and I have to fix them all in the next six weeks or I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. It's what idea. I'm going to focus on this one thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see it through to the end and then I'm going to go back again and do the next thing because this is how so many writers end up with a really, really good two or three chapters and then their book totally goes off the rails because yeah. they're like, oh, I know I need to fix these 82 things. And they can do that for three chapters, but they can't hold all 82 of those things in their head to make it all the way through to the end of their book. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So it sounds like the work, so I'm, I'm in your program, the process that I follow is to set SMART goals, to implement on those goals, to reach the goals assess the results and repeat the process. Back to SMART goals, implementation, assessment, repeat. SMART goals, mm -hmm. implementation, assessment, repeat. Is that accurate? It is. I do have an extra step in there for learning because uh, I do think that sometimes there's a gap in our knowledge. There's so many different skills that go into writing a good book mm -hmm. and identifying oh, I'm not so good at this. So I need to maybe read a book by an author who is really good at it or read a craft book 
that specifically addresses that or analyze my own writing to find where the opportunities are to strengthen that one piece. So that that learning, I think, is one of the things that can happen when you self-assess and find that there's a gap. Yeah. Before you dive into doing it. Mm-hmm. So is there a world where this group follows a very specific rhythm, which is week one of every month, you're clarifying your goal for the month and you've got like up to three is the limit. So this is an area, everybody, where we have to compromise a coaching rule a little bit in service to the larger group experience. And by that, I mean, if we were coaching one-on-one, you wouldn't tell me what my goals are supposed to be or how many I'm allowed to have, right? I'm the client. You're going to let me pick that and then I'll learn from it. Inside of a group, you want to give very strong suggestions because what we have to do is overcome people's objections to implementing. So by telling them pick one to three goals every month, that might be tiny, but at least I'm going to get started and I'm going to actually get to the finish line for that goal and stay with the process. So I wonder if there's a world where week one, we're like clarifying your SMART goals. Week two, you're learning and maybe two and three flip, right? Week three is implementation. Week four is assess. We move into the next month. One to three goals. It can be a repeat. And then we just move through that process. Like, Could you break it down by week inside of the program so that people can stay on track? I'm wondering if breaking it down quarterly would be more realistic just in terms of how long it takes to go through and actually do a revision. Yeah, right. Yep. I mean, I I can do a full revision on my book in one month, but that's because I have dedicated time in my schedule every single day for writing. And I've done this 10 times now, literally. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> written yeah. 10 books. So, but other people are not going to be able to do it that fast. They've got a full-time day job. I mean, I have a full-time day job, <laughs> but I'm my own boss. So I build right. in that writing time. Right. Right. I think that's really smart quarterly. So just taking that system and dividing it into like, we've got one week on goals, but then it's six weeks on implementation and learning and then one week to assess or whatever that might look like. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Great. And so that's something that you can film a video once, right? Here's the rhythm that we follow inside of the program and here's how to choose the goal. And that could even be you walking a volunteer through the process once, right? And then that recording is the training for everyone else when they come in. I love that. And I really feel like that could be a great way to offer support to people who are actually doing the drafting work for their first drafts, which is a time when I don't really want to be reviewing pages for a Mm -hmm. one-on-one client anyway, because I want Mm -hmm. them to be free to tell themselves the story without anybody giving them feedback. Yeah. Great. All right. There's this last piece around characteristic of privates, which is that you review their work. How, if at all, do we mimic that inside of the group? In my power groups, I am allowing 
people to read up to five pages with their hot seat coaching if that's how they choose to use it. Or they can also read me, say, a synopsis or just an excerpt that shows the kind of craft problem that they're having that they want coaching around. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there could be a quarterly opportunity built in to submit something to me. If it was short, I could do that for 20 people and it wouldn't be... I already have small packages that I do in addition to my one-on-one coaching, I have these kind of introductory Mm -hmm. 50 page reviews that I do. Mm -hmm. And so I could take some of those off of my calendar to make space to review something one-on-one for these folks. I mean, that would limit, that would put an upper cap on how many people. I probably couldn't Mm -hmm. do that if I had more than 20 people in this program. But you could also hire another book coach and pay them to review, right? Or people could have the option to upgrade. I don't know. I just feel like you're in such a community of book coaches. As this grows, that could be a position that you hire for and that cost gets worked into the cost of the group. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There is ultimately going to be a limit to how many pages I can read. (laughs) Yep, totally. And I'm getting close to that right now, I think already in my business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what would it look like if you actually worked with another book coach, hired someone to, to do, to assist with the quarterly reviews? Let's talk through that for a little bit. Well, I love that because I'm already mentoring quite a few coaches that are in my, have gone through the certification program that I'm a part of author accelerator. Mm -hmm. And I'm already, I'm already mentoring new coaches and actually some established coaches just because it's what I love to do. Yeah, And so it would be great to bring a newer coach on and teach them my method. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I'm also trying to help more people from traditionally marginalized groups become book coaches. Because I think that that's, I mean, that's a key thing that needs to happen. All through the publishing line, there needs to be people from a diversity of voices in order for the books that we put out to end up being representative of our actual demographics in this country, right? So we need editors, we need marketing people, we need agents, and we need book coaches from all different experiences. And so I yeah. love the idea of bringing a book coach from a traditionally marginalized group on teaching mm-hmm. them my method, which I know works. Yeah. I've been doing this for a while and I've got a stack of client books sitting here on my bookshelf next to me. Amazing. Really? That's amazing. Okay. I think we just designed a group program. I can't believe it. I've got it right here in front of me on paper. Look at it. That's your group program. (laughs) How does that feel? It's so exciting because I really didn't think I could do it. I just thought, I don't know how to do this. I don't know if I'm a teacher. I know that teaching is such an important part of coaching. But again, all of my experiences in one-on-one or mm-hmm. webinars, which is a whole different thing because it's so distant 
there's not that interaction other than brief Q&A, you know, via totally. Zoom chat at the end. It's a completely different animal. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. I mean, I have a million questions about what the technology I would use on the back end to support all of this mm-hmm. and whether my virtual assistant is going to kill me for adding another program right now when we're so busy. <laughs> well, let me speak into that for a minute. So here's what I'm looking at. We have a group program. So there's a lot of details, like how long is it and all of those pieces. But the shell is this. It's a group program that helps writers hold the big picture as they explore their book. They learn how to self-assess and self-audit so that they trust their own voice more than any expert talking at them or any YouTube whatever they're watching. They have support to help slay their doubt demons in the form of small cohorts where not only are you going to get your progress reflected back to you, but you're going to learn how to request, receive, and provide high-value critiques, which is in and of itself going to make you a better writer. Every quarter, rather, members will move through your signature system of setting a focus for the quarter, learning what they need to learn in order to be able to implement, then assess their results and repeat that in the next quarter. That's the program. How do I envision it being built out? In the beginning, Slack. Have a Slack channel. That's all you need. You don't need anything else at this stage. You can move everybody onto Slack. That way they can communicate. You can have a resources workspace where the video, the recordings get dropped. All you need is Slack or a Facebook group or something just very low lift in the beginning. And then I see the structure looking something like every month you have a big picture slash self-assessment session where you are leading a discussion around the elements of self-assessing, you've already got that training created, then you'll walk a volunteer through an assessment and then they partner up to witness each other self-assessing. That happens on repeat every month. There's a second call every month, and I wrote down, like, it's the move it forward call dedicated to coaching on the doubt demon stuff. Right. Yeah. And then there could also be a monthly, mm, like a check in and check out or some sort of container for them to check in on their goals for the quarter. That could even just be a Slack workspace where they check in. As the program, and then quarterly, we can review their work. You'll think about the structure around that. And as the program grows, there's an opportunity to hire another book coach to support you in the quarterly reviews. Ta-da. Yeah, I love it. It's, I love it. It seems really high value and really low lift. It's yeah, exciting. which is what I need because the idea of administrating something. I mean, of course, I was looking at the hive and I'm like, I cannot recreate the hive. Oh, my goodness. There's yeah, so much content in there and so much infrastructure and so many wonderful you know, employees, member, team members who are, are supporting that. And I was like, I'm a million miles from that. So this feels like a really good interim solution. Oh, completely. And it's actually, I just having done something similar, right? The first step away from privates was something similar like this for me. It's going to be really rewarding to you as the coach. That's what I look forward to is how 
surprised you are at how you feel inside of this container when you're, you've grown very accustomed to working one-on-one. Okay, so as we wrap up here, what for you, Julie, feel like, like your, your next three steps? Well, I think that I need to set a price and identify what pieces of content I would still need to create or repurpose from other things that I have so mm-hmm. that I could, I'd like the first quarter that I do it to have all the content like really locked and loaded. So I didn't have to have that stress on top okay. of the administrative stress of going through getting people registered for the first time and figuring out what you have to do it a few times before you can build out that nurture sequence that really answers all their questions for them. So yeah. I'm going to be you know, my, my VA and I will be answering a lot of questions, I'm sure until we get that really nailed down. So I would like the content piece to be really solid. Okay. And then, yeah, really looking at my schedule and, and see, I mean, I know I have room to do four calls a month Mm -hmm. for this. I mean, the real question is, does my itty bitty mailing list allow me to fill this? Well, so here's the here's the kicker. This is a decision you're making because it's values aligned more than because it's strategy. It's not like you're necessarily a revenue generation decision here. Yes, we want to you want to make money from it, but you're doing this for different reasons. Therefore, what you may find is it starts smaller than 20 And Mm -hmm. then now you've got this other option for people who come in and price is indeed a barrier or time, your time is indeed a barrier for them to work with you privately. Yeah, because right now I have a waiting list that's stretching into the beginning of 2023. And so Mm -hmm. when somebody comes, even if they have the most wonderful, perfect values aligned story that I really, really want to work on. I've got nothing because yeah. I'm just fully, fully booked. Yeah. Let's find out if you have a community to support this. And let's, and maybe the goal is to get it launched and get it like to capacity within six months or something. So the first couple months, you may feel like, what am I doing? I have two people here. <laughs> Right. But we're, this is in service to a a values aligned need that is important for you to meet. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to do, I think, a little bit of research as well about what price point makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have an idea in mind because I know how much my coaching costs and my power groups cost. And I would probably do it again as a one third, one third, one third. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. And then you'll just want to, to the best of your abilities, understand your costs. So how much more work is this going to be for the VA? And like, if I'm using a course platform or even a fancy Slack subscription, like what are my hard costs for operating this so that you're not, so that it's at least profitable, right? Yeah. 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 Good. I mean, I think my time is probably the most expensive piece of all of that. And so the idea of if I'm doing four calls a month, I have an idea in my mind of of how many people I would need to have in to make that worthwhile. 
it's more than two, but it doesn't have to be 20. (laughs) Somewhere between two and 20. That's a bit of a range, (laughs) but I heard you. Four action items, or they're actually two of them are the same. So one is do some research and some calculating to get clear on the price point. Number two is create your list of content and then begin building that out. So maybe, as you said, you have writing time built on your calendar. Great. You have some content gathering time built into your calendar. And then once you have a clear idea on that, you can schedule it. And maybe the goal here is Q2 of 2023. So you spend the remainder of this year and the first part of next year getting all of your ducks in a row so that you can open enrollment in April and have your first session in May. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, which can sometimes, this is for our listeners, but it might feel like forever from now. Are you joking? But come on, everybody. Time flies so quickly. And a mistake I often see coaches make when it comes to new offerings is they get overly attached to the timeline. Sometimes that's a money motivation. Like I got to drum up some business immediately. Other times it's because they just arbitrarily set a date. (laughs) And then we have a half-assed launch or an incomplete program. So it ends up being in the long run, less profitable and less impactful because we rushed it. So I know you're really good at managing your time and understanding your workload, but I think aiming for a, a May first session sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, to me too. To me Great. too. Awesome. All right. Is there anything Thank else? Thank you so much. Want? I know, it's so exciting. Is there anything you want to ask or share before we wrap up? Just thank you so much because I really didn't think that there was a way that I could come up with a group that felt really good and and you did it in less than an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're both coaches, so this is an easy sell here and to everybody listening, but this is what coaching is, right? So this was really fun to create and I can't wait to see this come to fruition. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Keep dreaming and scheming. Here's the takeaway. It is possible to scale in an intentional way that aligns with your values and aligns with your list and your capacity right now. So all of this hype around like the right way to launch a course Sure, maybe, but there are other alternatives as you build your business so that you're ready for a full-blown launch. And this is a great example of that. So thanks, Julie, and thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coaches on a Mission. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review. Do all of the things (laughs) to show your support for this show. It is so helpful for us, and it also helps other coaches find this show. If you want to take this episode further, please follow me on Instagram. I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor, and every week I turn our episode into a week-long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So let's be Insta friends. Head on over to Instagram and look for my new handle. Again, it's Dallas Travers Biz Mentor. You can do that now, and you just might find some 
funny reels while you're there. So believe me when I tell you, it'll be worth it. Okay, thanks again for tuning in. I truly appreciate that you make time to listen to this show and I hope you have a wonderful week.